Cairo, Seattle. All right, here we go. It's episode three, season two of Bark. We're going to be talking about a dog walking service at Rover.com. Jenna White, Senior Director, Rover Now Operations. And uh, looking forward to that. There are all kinds of different services, not just at Rover, but elsewhere, where if you're at work or you're away, you can have someone come and walk your dog just about any time of day. And so we're going to get into that. Along the same lines of dog walking, I've got one story that I just want to acknowledge these two men, and then another story that I think you'll find entertaining or outrageous or one of those adjectives. I'm not exactly sure. And I'm I'm here again with Aaron Mason, who's uh, my terrific producer here on Bark. Hi, Jim. This would not be possible without Aaron Mason. Oh, thanks, buddy. You know that. Correct? You tell me all the time. I do tell you all the time. (laughs) All right. I probably shouldn't. This is... Okay. I know what I want to ask you. Where'd you come up with the music for Bark? Mm, There's a service, and there are different companies that do this, but there's a service that the radio stations here pay for Mm -hmm. where people will write music. I've actually done this on my own in like my private life. You write music, and then you give it to this company, and different folks can subscribe to that service and look through catalogs of music and pick your song. And so you can search by vibe or by instruments or all these Mm -hmm. different ways. So I tried to pick a few things that I felt words that matched this show and then uh, looked through a bunch of them. And when I heard that little dingly jingly, I was like, well, that's it. That's it right there. How did that music identify with what we're doing here on Bark? It just seems very, well, it's very bouncy, yeah. which reminds me of dog walking, you okay. know, kind of out in the sunshine. It's got a little whistly vibe to it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's upbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's short, which was important. I think I even cut it down more mm-hmm. than, than what I initially downloaded. And yeah, it just, it just seemed to work for me. It was, it, it matched how you come in. You're like, hello. And it, <laughs> uh, yeah, do I look bouncy to you? Well, well, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone's ever described me as bouncy, but I appreciate that. Yeah. I try and be bouncy because yeah. I like talking about dogs. And as I've mentioned before in the first season, I like dogs more than people. And I don't, I don't care what anybody thinks about it. Dogs are cooler than people. I've had three dogs. I'm on my third dog. I got a two-year-old golden retriever. You know, you talked about things being upbeat and bouncy. This isn't an upbeat and bouncy story that I want to bring up, but I want to acknowledge these two men anyway, because this happened in March up in Bellingham, Whatcom County area. This man was out walking his dog. And since we're talking about dog walking, I, I thought, okay, this is when I want to bring this up. He's 73 years old. He's walking his two dogs. And Clearly, the dogs are off leash because these dogs went on to an icy pond and they Mm. fell through the ice. The man went out and he got a ladder. I'm not exactly sure these sketchy details, but he put a ladder on the ice, I guess, to distribute his weight more evenly. Mm -hmm. And then he ended up because he was trying to go save his dogs. So then he ended up going in the water himself. And then there was another man who came and tried to rescue him. He went into the water. Good Lord. Yeah, and mo- both men died. What? Trying to save these two dogs. Now, one dog made it to shore. The other dog was found dead later, along with the two men. And I just, I don't know. I know it's not a, it's a sad story, but I, I wanted to bring it up. For one thing, you know, if you have kids, 
I mean, my kids one time, they were out on an icy pond, and, and you know, the kids will always say, hey, you know, it was thick enough, it was no problem mm-hmm. going out there, but you don't really, you're not certain. And it was about 35, 38 degrees when they were out doing that above freezing. So so I bring this up just because in the wintertime, and, and if you're in Minnesota or somewhere, it's not a problem, but places like Seattle where it can be icy and snowy around here, but then it's it hovers around freezing, so you never you're never quite sure. But Gerald Bahima is the man's name, 73 years old. Tyler Takeda, 49, the man who tried to save Gerald Bahima. And they both died trying to save their dogs in the pond. And I bring that up, too, because I, I, I wonder, I, I put myself in their situation. And even though you're sitting there thinking, boy, I shouldn't go to do this to save my dog because something like this could happen to me, but I think I would have done it. I, I mentioned in the first season how I... Lake Washington, my dog, um, who was blind at the time, started swimming away from me. He couldn't hear either, and so he he was disoriented, and he couldn't find his way back. So I jumped in, but it wasn't like a life-threatening situation. I had, sure. to, I had to swim about 50 yards, and water was cold. It was in February. <laughs> oh, jeez. But, but, yeah, I just, I mean, the people, people, what they do for their dogs, I don't, you know, I just I just wanted to acknowledge these two men and, and, and what they did, but... Yeah, I I don't know if I would have done the same thing in that situation or not. Yeah. I mean, you never know unless you're in it. I'd like to think that I would do whatever I could to save my pet's life, but ice, that yeah, that's scary. Yeah, that's a tough one there. The other story I wanted to bring up was something that happened to me a few months ago, and it's probably the strangest thing that has ever happened when I've been walking my dog, and I admit that when I'm out in the woods with my dog on these trails, I usually go to the Cougar Mountain Regional Park, which is uh, outside of Seattle. It's got all kinds of different trails. And every once in a while, you run into people, and sometimes you don't. And so I let River go off leash, and he just kind of stays on the trail with me, and he stops, and then he catches up to me or goes ahead of me, whatever. So one day, I came around a corner, and River apparently had scared this guy, and he got really upset with me for not having my dog on a leash. Mm. And so that's that's one thing I, I want to get into a little bit here too, you know, whether how you feel about people who let their dogs off leashes. Typically when I let my dog off a leash, I like to think that other people will know that he's not going to do any harm to you because if he was going to do harm to you, I would have him on a leash. But it doesn't always work that way. And I, under- yeah. I understand that what I did was wrong. By the letter of the law, I should have had my dog on a leash. Now, okay, here's what happened after that. So I get up to the guy and I apologize. He's probably... 30 years old, something like that. And I, I just profusely apologize. I'm really sorry to scare you. And he was like, yeah, I thought he was going to bite me. And I was like, well, no, no, he, he wouldn't have bit you, uh, you know, and I'm sorry. And so then I'm, I'm looking for, I get my leash out and I put River on the leash and I apologize again. And he looks at me and he goes, you're just an entitled old white man, aren't you? Mm. And I said, yeah, I don't think so for having my dog off a leash. Uh, old, I'll give you that since I'm 62. <laughs> White, yeah, I'm Caucasian. Uh, he was too, for whatever that's worth. And I just was like, well, I, I just thought it was strange, but I didn't want to get into a fight or anything. So I put River on a leash and I started running away. And then the guy goes, you better run, old man. What? That's exactly what I said. I stopped in my tracks. I turned around and for just, and I'm not a, I'm not a confrontation. I don't really, I'm not much of a fighter. I got into one fight when I was in eighth grade and, and then I got in a bar fight once and a guy threw one punch and I landed out on the sidewalk. <laughs> Point being, I'm not much of a fighter. I'm, I'm really not a good fighter. 
I couldn't help it. I went back and I go, what? What'd you say? And he goes, I said, you better run, old man. And I'm thinking, oh, man. And then for that split second, I thought, man, I would love to just deck this kid. And then I thought, no, that'd be, that would really suck to die out here because my dog was off a leash. <laughs> I mean, the guy might have had a gun, or he might have beaten the hell out of me. And, sure. Yeah, I mean, he had a 30-year age advantage on me. And so I just I, I took River, and I just went the opposite direction I was going because I just wanted to. But I, I had my eyes over my shoulder the whole way. I guess, you know, the thing is, is that technically he was right. You might be listening and, and siding with him and saying, well, what do you think? You know, you were supposed to have your dog on a leash. You might be siding with him and thinking, yeah, he had every right to tell me what he did. Or you might be uh, a little more on the other side of it, like I am, where I'm just going, if I'm a dog, I kind of want the freedom when I'm out there on a trail to be to be running and checking different things out. Yeah. People who aren't as familiar with dogs as you are and people who might be legitimately afraid of dogs. I know people who are straight up scared of dogs because they think that all of them are going to bite them or hurt mm-hmm. them that was this guy's situation, then I don't see him being able to react any other way. The entitled old white guy, sure, that's him taking a dig. I have to have my dog on a leash. You don't think you have to? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that's what he's trying to say there. Right. But for areas where if I'm, let's say I'm a hiker and I want to hike this trail and I'm scared of dogs, I sort of assume that I'm going to be taken care of too. Mm -hmm. that I can go on this trail and have my hike and enjoy my day and not have to worry about being attacked by a dog. Now, you know River. You know River's not going to do anything. But that runner doesn't. But that runner doesn't. Right. Right. And and could have a a pretty serious reaction to it. Thank you for that side of it. Yeah, because there is that side of it. Uh, I I understand that. And, you know, I've noticed, too, We've had a lot of people move into the Seattle area, you know, some from out of the country. And I always I tell myself, you know, if I grew up where they did, I might be afraid of dogs, too, mm-hmm. depending on where they're from. And so I take that into account, too. And um, so typically when I do this, I'll look in the parking lot and see if there's not any cars that I'm more apt to have him off, off leash. And on a Saturday and Sunday, if I'm on one of these trails, I know there's going to be people there, and um, I put them on the leash. But it's made me think twice, though. Sure. Because, you know, I I tend to think about how much fun it would be to be my dog or anybody's dog if you're off leash where you can run free a little bit more than on a leash. But I need to take into account what other people are thinking about it, too. So we're going to get into dog walking service today on on Bark and uh, Jenna White is a senior director at Rover Now Operations. It's a cool new service, rover.com. They've got all kinds of different services for for dogs, and one of them is this special dog walking service they have where they can come at any time and, and walk your dog, and it was fun to find out more about it. And Jenna, thanks for joining Bark today. I'm just curious what it's like to work at rover.com. Um, Yeah, I've been at Rover for almost four years now at this point, and I say you can't really have a better job than working at a a dog company with like a whole community of dog people. So in the office, we've got a like a dog to human ratio of I would say about one dog to every five humans. Nice. So did you grow up with dogs and you just thought, boy, this would be a fun place to work? Well, actually, you know, I had an interesting path to Rover. Um, I was moving up into the Seattle area and had asked friends, you know, what company is the company that I really have to go check out? 
And a resounding answer was Rover.com. And so, yeah, this was about three and a half or four years ago. And when I joined here, it was this sense of like the palpable energy from everyone of being able to work in a company with a mission that is to basically help everybody uh, experience the love of a dog. And that's what we do at Rover day in and day out is we've since become the nation's largest network of pet sitters and dog walkers. But it truly comes from this place of how can we get dogs into more people's lives? Oh, that's fantastic. So if I was to walk into your office right now, what what would I see? I mean, I'd see people, but I'd just see dogs on leashes or dogs roaming around or what would I see? So originally, dogs kind of had free reign, um, but from what I heard, it started turning into like roaming packs of dogs around the office a little too quickly. <laughs> and so um, now we have kind of different sections of the office where around different desks, there's pens, and you'll find all sorts of groups of dogs in different pens, like with their owner. So um, sometimes you see playtime, like you'll come in, and you'll see dogs from different pens uh, come and meet each other. <laughs> and then... Um, um, what's kind of interesting about Rover is that we oftentimes will have some of our employees uh, testing out the platform, too, and sitting dogs for, uh, for other people as well as sitters on the platform. Well, you probably never have a boring day, do you? I do not have a boring day, and I always joke around to my friends. It's like, you know, if you've had too many meetings, well, I can just go out and hug like a super fluffy white Samoyed. So I really can't have a bad day. <laughs> what kind of dog do you have? So I actually don't have a dog right now. I'm living in 900 square feet, and I get my uh, my dog fixed from Rover. I am a dog aunt to, I would say, roughly 10 to 15 dogs in the office. I had seen uh, or I had been listening to some of your old uh, episodes, and I had to laugh about your story with River, who started to eat the carpet in your guys' studio. Uh, because another thing that you're going to see at Rover, too, is definitely steam cleaners. Well, <laughs> well, thanks for listening to that past episode of Bark. And I've been thinking about bringing him back in because it is a, a, a podcast about dogs. I should have my dog with me, but yeah, he tore up some carpet. He, he tore up some wiring in, in another studio. And I thought, well, okay, but he's almost two. And the thing is, is that Jenna, honestly, it's, it's more about the owner and not the dog. It's not like he's a bad dog, but I just haven't trained him well enough. I've even... You know, I don't know how you feel about dogs being off leash on, on random trails out in the woods, but I let them go off leash sometimes, and boy, I get in trouble for that sometimes. Yeah, I mean, for us at Rover, you know, we're always, um, when we're talking to our sitters and walkers, we absolutely say, hey, don't put dogs off leash. And a part of the reason on that is, you know, they're animals. And so they're in a new situation. They might be meeting new dogs that they're not comfortable with. Um, at Rover, safety is our number one priority for sure. And so the best way to kind of be uh, in control of that situation is to have them on leash, even if the dog, you know, thinks they might have more fun just kind of running around. No, you're right about that. And yeah, I've gotten in trouble a few times. Boy, people sure get upset if your dog is off a leash and uh, they, they let you know how they feel about it. Now, Rover, you've got dog boarding, house sitting, drop-in visits, doggy daycare, and then also dog walking. How does a, let's start on this one side of it. How does a person become a dog walker? Sure. 
So um, across the country, and actually now internationally as well, um, people can become dog walkers on Rover.com uh, through signing up at, at our website, Rover.com, or using our app. Um, what they do is they put some information about themselves, they take a background check, uh, they answer a safety quiz, and then oftentimes they're getting testimonials as well from friends and family. And so with all of that, they, uh, they're ready to go on, list a service, say, hey, I want more dogs in my life, um, and here's you know, what I'm looking to offer. In some of the U.S.'s uh, biggest cities, and Seattle's included in that, we also have uh, a newer service called Rover Now. So that is actually an on-demand dog walking service. And for those walkers, they actually have to do an extra step or two, which includes uh, meeting a, uh, a person uh, in their market to show them that they can actually put on five of the most common harnesses and collars. Hmm. Now, we're taping at 10 after 12... How long, if I was to uh, take take you up on Rover now, how long would it take until, like, if I had River up in the car, which I don't today, but if I had him with me, how long would it take typically for Rover now to the time I'd have a dog walker here and ready to go? Yeah, so usually someone can actually be at your place or in your car or to your car to pick up River, if that was the case, uh, within an hour. Within an hour. So I, I imagine this has been mm-hmm. a pop- popular service. Very popular. And I mean, it can be, it can be shorter, um, you know, especially if you're in a down, like super downtown area. We often hear from people, um, maybe they're stuck at the office. They thought they might be able to go home in time, uh, but they realize they're not going to be able to. And from their app in like a minute or so, they can schedule a dog walker and know that their dog's being taken care of. What's the demand like? And, and have you seen parts of the country where the demand is higher than others? So on the dog walking part specifically, we definitely see a lot of demand in big cities. So New York is a huge market for us and growing really quickly. Seattle's really big. You know, other like dog, uh, dog crazy and dog focused cities on the West Coast for sure. Um, we also offer services like drop-ins. And so that's often a good choice for people, maybe in some more suburban areas where you just need someone to come in and let your dog out into the backyard and play with them while you're gone. So Rover actually kind of has that full portfolio of services, no matter where you live, to find kind of the right person for what you need. Do you have uh, a funniest dog walking story or a crazy dog walking story you could tell us about? One of actually my favorite stories uh, on on dog walking is not uh, inclusive of a dog, which is where it kind of got weird. Um, And so, you know, one of my favorite stories is that Rover now dog walking is branded for dogs, but what we found is people can actually use it for any type of animal. And one time we actually saw that someone booked a uh, service to have someone go down and ice off their gerbils when it was really, really hot in their apartment. What? Okay, so go in the apartment with some ice to cool down the gerbils? Yeah, So, you know, it's like that is Rover is really like a pet company for everyone. And uh, that was one of the most interesting things for me was uh, was looking into that and saying, hey, okay, we marketed this as dog walking. But pet parents and pet owners uh, have their needs no matter what pet they have. (laughs) Well, can you have your cat walk, too? I guess you could. Um, I, I wonder if the cat would be okay with that. Probably not. But uh, but hey, if uh, if there's a sitter that's open to doing it, we're happy to connect them with an owner that wants it. All right. <laughs> Jenna White's the senior director, Rover.com, Rover Now Operations. So how much would it cost uh, someone typically to go for a half hour or one hour walk? 
On our Rover Now service, we have a set price, which is $20 for a 30-minute walk and $30 for a 60-minute walk. Outside of that, um, all sitters actually set their own prices. So you can kind of see a variety of prices depending where you are in the country um, and also for what service you're looking for. But you could often find around 30 minutes, somewhere between, you know, 15 to $25. Yeah, Jenna, I've really enjoyed this, but I, I have some regret that I have to tell you about because I, I read about Rover. I went to Wikipedia. I always I don't know how you feel about Wikipedia, but I, I like looking at Wikipedia and I, I just assume that they might be accurate or pretty close or close enough anyway. And I saw that Rover started in 2011, less than 10 years ago, and you guys are hundreds of millions of dollars what the company has built itself into. And I say I have regret because, did you know? So I'm 61, Jenna, and back in the day, back when I was like 29, 30 years old, I came up with this idea to have a jog-a-dog service. I thought it was kind of, you know, jog and dog kind of rhymed. I thought, okay, I'm going to do this jog-a-dog service. I even had this cartoonist drop a picture of me running with dogs and stuff. And typical of me, Jenna, I just, it was an idea that I had that I never really followed through with. And I guess that's a way of saying that uh, I think it's cool what you're doing. And I wish I'd done the, the same damn thing. <laughs> we actually definitely hear that from people as well. You know, it's like, People are dog lovers and have often thought, hey, how could I get better care for my pet? Um, and I like jog a dog, so I've definitely heard people who are looking then, and I think some that have their own kind of independent shops right now that are doing that. But I have to say at Rover, you know, a big thanks to, uh, to our co-founders, and one of them inclusive is uh, Greg Gottesman, who had a bad experience at a kennel uh, in 2011 and was saying, okay, there has to be a better way. Uh, and he followed through and ended up winning Startup Weekend with some of our other co-founders. And we've kind of come to this place now where actually we have over a million owners every month are booking services on Rover. Wow. Can you pass something along to Greg for me? Sure. Can you tell him I love him and I hate him at the same time? Can you, can, can you do <laughs> Will that? Will do. Will do. <laughs> hey, Jen, I really enjoyed this. Can I stop by and introduce myself sometime? I'd love to be able to see your office. Oh, absolutely. Come on over. We've got three floors of dogs uh, ready and willing to see you. Whereabouts are you? We're actually down in Belltown, uh, right near the Cinerama. Oh, okay, great. We're, we're up Lake Union way, so... I have a quick question. I'm fascinated by the dog work environment, like dog-friendly work environment. Yep. It's sort of a two-parter. Do you have any tips for anyone, sort of general tips for a dog-friendly workplace, and... Is there anything anyone can do to try and talk their workplace into potentially becoming more dog friendly? Hmm. Interesting. So I know on our end um, to make a dog work environment a safe environment is one of the biggest things we're always thinking about. And so we have doggy gates all around. Uh, we actually even have a color coded system on the dogs so that you understand like around their collar um, if there's someone who's shy or if there's someone who's playful or maybe they just came into the office for the first time and you need to be a little careful when you go up to meet them. Uh, that's one of the things that I think people forget is they see these really cute dogs and uh, they kind of run right up to them, but that's scary if you're a dog. Uh, and so it's always thinking about like, okay, how can we be good to kind of our dog uh, coworkers here? It's probably pretty good in Seattle. I imagine they're, they're more lenient with having dogs come to work than they maybe are in other places. That might be true. I, yeah, I know in um, you know, our office, anytime we're looking for office space, we have to look for a place that's dog-friendly. I appreciate your time today, and, and you sound like a fun person, and uh, thanks for joining Bark. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for thinking of Rover. So, Aaron, after listening to Jenna White, would you be more apt to perhaps get a dog? Because from what I understand, part of the reason you have cats is that they're lower maintenance than a dog who, when you get home from your busy night, Cairo Nights, FM, Mm -hmm. 97.3 with G. Scott (laughs) from 7 to 10 p.m. Pacific time. You got to tune this in. I'm telling you, this guy... Aaron Mason is a rising star. Thanks, buddy. So you can you can say you knew him back. Hey, I, I remember him when he was doing Bark. Uh, but when you <laughs> that'd get, be awesome. When, <laughs> if someone came up to me and was like, "I know you from Bark," you'd yeah. be like, "Let me buy you a drink." You think that'll happen? Uh, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Good. That would be cool. So when you get home, you just kind of want to relax. See, I look at it when I get home. Like when I get home tonight, I already took River on a hike this morning. But if he wants to go to a dog park. Well, I don't know if he does or not. I just assume he always does. But I'll, I'll probably take him out somewhere tonight. And, yeah. I, and I look forward to that. Yeah. But you're saying that with services like this, and it's not just, again, it's not just Rover.com. If you just Google dog walking services, they're all over the place sure. now. And R- Rover does a great job, though. I love this Rover now, what they're doing, too. But you're going to be more apt to get a dog knowing there's dog walking services like this. Yeah, it's a really smart niche to fill, I think, because as people are getting busier, it's harder to, you know, get back and and take care of your dog. And so if you're somebody who already has a dog, this is perfect. If you're somebody who's like, I would love a dog, but I, I can't make it home, then maybe this opens up some opportunities for you, which I think is cool. Also, I guess I could do this getting a job with Rover, but I I don't really walk dogs and I hear a lot of dog owners talk about like how special a time that can be. Um have you experienced that? Like is that what it's like with River or is yeah, he just well, a maniac? No, I, I that's part of it. That's part of what I enjoy. It, it's fun too that I, I enjoy watching him swim. And I, I can't even explain it. You know, when I take him to a dog park where they've got water and I just like watching him swim. But I don't know if we're necessarily bonding on these trails, but mm-hmm. I just uh, I have fun having him out there. And, yeah. you know, he looks forward to it. He jumps out of the... Well, some mornings he's not really jumping out of the truck. It's like, oh, you know, I'm not ready to do this yet. But, yeah, I think there's a bonding experience there. I think you should do it. Yeah? Yeah, you got the kitten. I know, <laughs> yeah. You could add a dog. Let me, uh, let me let the kitten grow up a little bit. All right. Well, okay. We'll see how that goes for Aaron Mason. Yeah, we'll find out about that. So in the meantime, though, I think I've learned my lesson. I don't want anybody, you know, getting in my face, calling me an entitled old white man anymore. So I'll have River on a leash. And I also will probably take advantage of Rover now. Rover.com. Appreciate Jenna White and her time today on Bark. And thank you. Thank you, the listener. I really appreciate the fact that you took the time. All kinds of podcasts out there. But this is the best one you're going to find about dogs. Right, Aaron? Yeah. This is the best one out there. Uh, This is my favorite version of Jim. (laughs) What, the one where I'm talking? Falsely confident Jim. Yeah, I know. I just, you know what? I don't really mean that. I know there's all kinds of dog podcasts. (laughs) I hope you like what we're doing here because I'm having fun doing it. And next time on Bark. Okay, you ready for this? Do people serial listen to these things at all? Yeah. Like podcasts? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I was, you know, Stranger Things, I got caught up into that, and you just go from one episode to the next. 
Is it people do this on podcasts too? Uh, there's two ways of doing it. A lot of people they'll look through the episodes available and go like, "Well, which one interests me the most?" Mm. But if someone already knows you and uh, know maybe listen to the first season, they're more likely to just start at one and oh, and just go all and the way go through. right down. All right. Well, no matter who you are, if you want episode number four, that's coming up right right after number three here, the dog walking episode. It's about dog friendly workplaces and. Uh, I don't know if your workplace is dog-friendly or not, but we'll find out what goes into making a dog-friendly workplace for you. That's next on Bark, and thank you for listening today on Bark. I'm Jim Moore. He's Aaron Mason. We'll talk to you next time.